Specialty Story, session number 39. Whether you are a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you'll want to practice. This podcast will tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information you need to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Welcome to the Specialty Stories. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week, as well as the host of many other podcasts, which you can check out at mededmedia.com. That's M-E-D-E-D media.com. Today, I have a great guest for you, somebody who went through anesthesiology residency and then went on to do a fellowship in pain medicine. Now, we've had a pain medicine doc on before back in session 17. That was a community-based pain medicine doc, and it was also a pain medicine doc who came from a radiology background. So you'll hear a little bit of the differences with this episode. We have Dr. Bunty Shaw, who is an academic pain medicine physician who has been out of fellowship training now for two years. He's also the associate program director for the fellowship at Penn State in Hershey, Pennsylvania. We start by talking about when Bunty was first interested in becoming a pain physician. When I was in my surgery rotation in medical school in my third year, there was no actual anesthesiology rotation. It was built into the surgery rotation. So I encountered anesthesia kind of by chance when I was on my surgery rotation when I met an anesthesiologist on my third year rotation in medical school. So Uh, When I did have a limited time with an anesthesiologist there, I learned that anesthesia was all about the interplay between physiology, basic sciences, and it was very procedure-oriented, which I really enjoyed. So that was my first experience with anesthesia. And as I learned more about it, and this particular anesthesiologist really took me under his wing and explained things to me, that's when I realized I wanted to do anesthesia because it combined all the things that I found interesting in medicine up to that point. Uh, and I decided to pursue that. I actually thought that I wanted to do emergency medicine in the beginning because I formerly was an EMT, and I thought that emergency medicine was very exciting, and I still think it's exciting, but I think anesthesia really combined all of the different specialties that I was interested in because I could be a cardiologist, I could be a nephrologist, an ICU doctor, all of these things at once in the operating room. So uh, that's really what kind of made me gravitate towards the specialty. As far as pain medicine goes, I really didn't know much about pain medicine when I was a medical student. Because it's a subspecialty, uh, I didn't have much exposure to it when I was a medical student. So when I did finally get exposure was my CA2 year, a CA2 year being my third year of uh, anesthesiology as a resident. I rotated through the pain management clinic here and That was the first time I got exposure in pain medicine, seeing all the different procedures that are done uh, for pain of different causes, cancer pain, back pain being a large part of what we do in pain medicine was what I was exposed to initially. And uh, it kind of married what I liked about the specialty of anesthesia, which was procedures. A lot of the procedures we do in anesthesia carried over to pain medicine, such as skills when doing epidural injections. So uh, that really kind of gravitated me towards the pain medicine. 
And the other thing I liked about pain medicine, which I sort of was missing when I was doing anesthesia, was that I actually have more face-to-face time with patients while they're awake and talking with me. Um, The other thing about anesthesia was that I would do a case uh, and take care of a patient for one surgical procedure, and then I'd probably never see them again, which in the grand scheme of things is probably a good thing because it means that they improved or did, did well. But I like the continuity of care I get with some of my patients in pain medicine and established relationship that is a little bit more long lasting. So the procedures, the patient interaction, uh, this is sort of what led me to uh, pursue a career in pain medicine. With the procedures, with uh, hand dexterity and, and hand-eye coordination, how much of that do you think is important coming in or how much of that do you learn as you go through the process? That's a great question. I think that you do have to have some uh, inherent uh, coordination skills to do these procedures, Uh, but you do learn by practicing, and I'm a firm believer in that. So uh, I think that to some degree it can be taught, Um, but I think the most important thing in becoming sort of masterful with procedures is uh, understanding your limitations and just developing an overall sense of safety and uh, knowing when you can advance a needle and when you have to be a little bit more cautious and understanding the relevant anatomy. And that's why I impress upon medical students and residents that knowing your functional anatomy is very important to doing procedures because your knowledge of the anatomy uh, is sort of your roadmap for doing a procedure. So I think that Aside from just having dexterity and manual skills, uh, your knowledge of the anatomy is is really a major factor in making sure that you can do a safe procedure for a patient. We've had a pain medicine doc on before who worked in the community. You're in academics. Why did you choose to stay in academics versus going out to the community? That's another great question. Uh, I think the main reason why I chose to stay in academics is that I I really like to teach. And I'm a firm believer that if you can teach something, it means you can do something. Um, I chose to stay at a program where I trained both in anesthesiology residency and in my pain medicine fellowship. And now I'm the associate program director for the pain medicine fellowship here. And uh, I'm I'm tasked with training fellows who are going to go out and practice within one year. The fellowship is a one-year fellowship. So um, I really have the opportunity to sort of shape these fellows to some degree. And the patients they treat, you know, I I have a hand in that because I'm I'm responsible for for teaching them. And and I think that's a tremendous responsibility. And it's one that I don't take lightly. And uh, it's very humbling uh, to know that we're shaping fellows who are going to go out and practice pain medicine on their own. So really we're, we're touching other patients through them. So that's probably the major motivating factor for me. Another reason why I decided to stay in academics is because I feel that in academics, I really get exposure to um, educational resources that I maybe would not get elsewhere Uh, here in academics because we're a training program. We have educational conferences. We have journal clubs where we review relevant articles and we're always learning here. Not to say that in private practice, you're not always learning, but I feel that as an educator, 
the impetus is on me to do as much learning as I can because it's my responsibility to teach others. So I need to stay abreast of developments in my specialty. And uh, being in academics really kind of facilitates that. What traits do you think lead to being a good academic pain medicine doc? I think uh, one is patience because as an educator, you at least early on are working with uh, fellows and residents who may have limited exposure to some of the procedures and conditions that we see on a daily basis here in the pain management clinic or surgery center. So you need to have patience because you can't just do everything yourself. You need to be able to uh, teach the fellow and uh, allow them some uh, autonomy at times, but within a safe window. So I think that's, that's challenging. So you need to have patience. Um, you need to be inquisitive. You need to be curious. Uh, but I think patience is, is, is number one on that list. When you're working and, and taking care of patients, what sort of pathologies, what sort of, of diseases are you treating? So being in uh, a major referral center here in central Pennsylvania, we see a wide variety of uh, cases and conditions. But being a pain medicine physician, the sort of uh, large part of what we see is, is back pain, especially low back pain, but also uh, pain from the cervical spine and thoracic spines less commonly. Uh, we see a good deal of neuropathic pain uh, neuropathic pain being pain related to uh, conditions of the nerves and nervous system. So uh, things like uh, neuropathy related to uh, diabetes, for example, um, even lumbar radiculopathy or pinched nerves in the spine, uh, that's considered neuropathic pain, and we, we treat it well uh, with injections and also with medications. So I would say that's the large part, but uh, we also see uh, pain from other causes like cancer pain, um, and then pain that just, uh, from arthritis, uh, of the spine and of the knees. So we really, we treat pain of all sorts, all kinds. Uh, if there's a condition that's painful, we see it. Describe a typical day for you. Typical day for me starts, uh, usually around, uh, eight o'clock in the morning when I arrive at the clinic. Uh, I typically have a half a day of procedures uh, that would include uh, ultrasound-guided procedures and fluoroscopic, uh, fluoroscopically-guided procedures, which would be x-ray-guided procedures. So uh, I would do half a day of that. Um, and then uh, the second half of my day after a short lunch break would be seeing new and return patients uh, where we're seeing patients and working them up for uh different conditions and making recommendations about medications or possible procedures uh, that could help alleviate their pain. Um, typically, that is my work day, but uh, sometimes there are conferences that are also going on, such as uh, some of the case conferences that I mentioned or journal clubs. So uh, if that's the case, then I stay a little bit later, maybe until 6 or 7 p.m., but a uh, typical workday for me is anywhere from uh, 8 a.m. to about 4.30 or 5 p.m. And then the, the academic side of that is just there's, there's residents and fellows in with you as well? Absolutely. So we actually have medical students and residents and fellows. The fellows are with us for a year at a time. Um, they have several different rotations, uh, most of which are in the pain clinic. But for about, for about a half, half the year, uh, they do rotate out of our pain clinic 
onto other services such as spine surgery, uh, palliative care, psychiatry, uh, neuroradiology, so they get exposure in, in these other areas uh, that are also relevant to our specialty. Uh, our residents uh, primarily come from the anesthesiology residency as our pain division uh, is uh, part of the anesthesiology department. Um, our residents rotate one month at a time here, uh, and they come initially in their clinical base year, which is their first year of anesthesiology residency, and they return to us during their CA2 year, which is their third year of residency. Additionally, we do occasionally have a resident from uh, neurology uh, come through our clinic, and uh, we also have fellows who rotate with us from rheumatology as well as uh, previously we had orthopedic uh, residents also rotating with us. And we have medical students who are also rotating with us about every month or so. So we have quite a busy clinic with a, a lot of different people coming in from different backgrounds, but uh, it's an educational experience for everyone, um, including including myself, working with a lot of different individuals. So uh, wide variety of people, wide variety of conditions that we see, but uh, very enjoyable for me. For being a very procedural-based specialty, what percentage of patients that you see in the clinic are you actually then taking and doing a procedure on? That's a good question. If I had to venture a guess, I would probably say that 60% of our patients, maybe even 70%, are patients who may benefit from a procedure and who are offered a procedure. The remainder of these patients probably uh, are managed more conservatively with medications, physical therapy, sometimes pain psychology. Uh, it's a very multifaceted approach. That's what we advocate uh, especially in light of the uh, opioid epidemic, we, we do try to really uh, approach pain issues from all different angles to really maximize benefit and uh, minimize any, any harm we can cause to the patient. Do you have to take a lot of call? So my call is, is, is pretty minimal. Uh, I have a group of uh, five physicians. I take call. Uh, one in every five weeks because of this. And my call uh, primarily consists of seeing inpatient consults on days when I'm on call. So I take call for one week at a time, Monday through Friday. Uh, my clinic schedule is in the morning or I have academic time, which is time allotted to me to work on academic pursuits like research. Uh, and sometimes I do interviews for medical students. And uh, if I am seeing patients in the morning. After a lunch break, I'm seeing inpatient consults in the afternoon, uh, which allows me to actually get out by 4 or 4.30 p.m. Uh, and then I round on patients who have uh, nerve catheters or epidurals on, on the weekend, which typically takes anywhere from one to two hours. And then I'm free for the rest of the day. And I'm taking home call for that entire week. Uh, so Monday through Sunday. Uh, so if there are issues, they're first fielded by my fellow. Uh, if they have questions, the fellow can call me and we can address these these issues. Typically over the phone, there's a rare instance where I would have to come into the hospital uh, to take care of an issue. But uh, for the most part, the call is, is not very bad um, and uh, does allow a good work-life balance, in my opinion, which is a, another major motivator for my picking this specialty. 
that was my next question. So you got me there. What is what is the path to becoming a pain medicine doc look like? So uh, pain medicine is a subspecialty uh, initially created within anesthesiology. However, uh, it it is a it is a specialty which can be entered via several different routes. Uh, one, of course, the traditional one is anesthesiology. So four year anesthesiology residency. Uh, and after that, a one-year pain medicine fellowship. So pain medicine fellowships are all one year long. Um, neurology is another major specialty through which one can enter the specialty of pain medicine. Psychiatry is actually another one. And uh, emergency medicine is actually another one. So uh, these are specialties through which one can enter pain medicine. You'll see by and large most uh, candidates are coming from anesthesiology and neurology. And before I forget, physical medicine and rehabilitation is also another uh, residency program through which, uh, or specialty through which someone can enter pain medicine. Uh, in fact, we have three fellows here uh, currently, and uh, of these three fellows, two of them are PMNR, or physical medicine and rehabilitation, and one is anesthesiology uh, in our program right now. So the the fellowship doesn't differentiate between what residency they came from. So there aren't separate pain medicine resi- or fellowships for all the different specialty backgrounds. No, the fellowship is one in the same. Okay, interesting. With with that many different residency graduates going on into fellowship and and that many different backgrounds and training. Does one specific background give an advantage over another when treating patients? I would say absolutely not. Uh, I think that uh, depending on the specialty you come from, you bring a different skill set. So physical medicine and rehabilitation uh, residents and fellows, in my opinion, have excellent examination skills of the musculoskeletal system. They typically come with uh, good skills as far as procedures and ultrasound Uh an understanding of uh, the musculoskeletal system as far as dynamics and conditions uh, that affect this system. Neurology residents and fellows come with a very good understanding of the neurologic basis for pain uh, and neuropathic pain states, headaches. Uh, they're very well-versed in these conditions. Anesthesiology residents come with very good understanding of uh, analgesic pharmacology, uh, basic physiology, as well as uh, procedural skills as far as ultrasound goes, because uh, in anesthesia, we do a lot of uh, peripheral nerve blocks and epidural injections. So I think everyone brings something different to the table. Uh, I wouldn't say one particular specialty is better than any other. In the end, I I really do believe that um, all of our fellows, regardless of what specialty they originate in, become excellent fellows and they're all on par with each other uh, as far as becoming good pain physicians. So I don't think that any one specialty makes you a better pain physician. I think it just makes you unique and and, uh, brings a different skill set to the table. How competitive is it to match into a a pain fellowship? My understanding of of pain medicine fellowship these days is that it is quite competitive to to match into. there are a number of pain fellowship programs, but uh, it is ha- it does happen to be one that is in high demand 
Um, particularly, I believe, because the work-life balance is, is typically pretty good in this specialty. And uh, because you have an applicant pool that consists of candidates from multiple different specialties, I think that may also contribute to the uh, difficulty, or not difficulty, but uh, competitiveness of matching into this specialty. What are you looking for since since you're a fellowship program director, associate director? What are you looking for in a competitive applicant? So I look for someone who has a strong uh, track record academically, uh, including uh, examination scores and uh, in-service examination scores, as well as board exam- examination scores. Uh, I look for uh, a strong candidate in terms of character uh, particularly assessed by interviewing the candidate, but also in uh, reflected in the letters of recommendation. Um, I look for a personality that will be compatible with working in a team, because I really believe that pain medicine is, uh, is a uh, sort of team specialty that requires um, you know, compatibility with working with uh, members of other specialties, nurses, ancillary staff, uh, I don't think there's very many medical specialties that don't require uh, you to be a good team player. But uh, also being inquisitive and uh, having a good work ethic, I think these are all all very important. Um, I can't uh, leave out procedural skills. Uh, it's very hard to sort of uh, judge someone on procedural skills when you haven't seen them uh, do procedures, but again, I look to their experience in pain medicine to see if they've done rotations in pain medicine, what sort of procedural exposure they've had, and then also the letters of recommendation, uh, as uh, many uh, pain physicians will comment on uh, a candidate's hands and uh, procedural skills. So these are all some of the major things I look at when considering a candidate for fellowship. You're not doing the the myth uh, mythicized, is that the right word? Um, uh, suturing cheese during the interviews, are you? No, 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 not <laughs> at all. <laughs> I, I mainly use the interview to uh, sort of see what a candidate's personality is like and uh, answer questions and uh, sort of explain what our program is like and, and understand the, the uh, candidate's motivation for pursuing a career in pain medicine why why is our fellowship a good fit for them and why might they be a good fit for our fellowship once somebody completes a pain medicine fellowship what other opportunities are there to further subspecialize i would say that uh when you finish a an interventional pain medicine fellowship that pretty much is as specialized as you can get uh I suppose one can also go and do another fellowship, but uh, as th- this is pretty much where you where you where you end your training, uh, so to speak. I mean, learning is of course a lifelong endeavor, and you will also uh, be required by our specialty to do CME, uh, continuing medical education, and uh, I think that you know it's a good idea to go to conferences and meetings to continue your learning. But uh, there typically is no further uh, subspecialization as far as fellowship training goes. What do you wish primary care physicians knew about what you do as a pain medicine physician that would make 
their job easier and ultimately help their patients more? I think um, that is a very difficult question to answer, but uh, I, I, first of all, I'd like to say that I, I think we in our pain clinic enjoy a very good relationship with our primary care colleagues, and uh, we have a pretty good mutual understanding of what we can offer as, as pain medicine specialists for patients. Um, one thing is that um, I think it's important that our primary care colleagues understand that we we really strive to provide multidisciplinary care for our patients. So uh, understanding the indications for procedures uh, like epidural injections um, and understanding that opioids are really sort of a last resort and not really proven uh, in, in many studies to confer long-term benefit in chronic pain. I think that's a major uh, thing that I'd like most primary care providers to to understand, and and by and large, many do. Um, I also would like to emphasize uh, to our colleagues in primary care the the use of uh, adjuvant medications like gabapentinoids, anticonvulsants, and antidepressants in the management and treatment of pain. Um, I think that uh, it's important to think outside the box as far as uh, pain medicine treatments go. And uh, really to understand the benefits of physical therapy and also pain psychology, uh, such as cognitive behavioral therapy and biofeedback techniques, um, the interplay of all of these things in the treatment of pain and kind of a holistic approach to the patient, I think is very important. And uh, I would emphasize that. What specialties do you work the closest with? The specialties we work the most closely with, I would say, are neurosurgery uh, and orthopedic spine services. Because back pain plays such a large part in why patients come to see us, um, th these specialties are the most heavily involved in, in treating these patients. So we see that a large number of uh, referrals coming from both of these services, especially because of uh, new advances in technology, such as spinal cord stimulation, uh, which allows us... Uh, more options in the treatment of neuropathic pain states as well as uh, post-laminectomy syndrome and failed back surgery syndrome. Uh, we see a lot of referrals from these providers uh, and also our family medicine and uh, primary care colleagues. Uh, we see a, a large number of consults coming from, from these specialties as well. So I would say primary care, uh, neurosurgery, and orthopedic spine surgery are probably the specialties from which we see the most patients. Are there any special opportunities outside of clinical medicine for somebody who's specialized in pain medicine? Well, I suppose if one is interested in research uh, and possibly has a PhD, then there is definitely a large need for, for research in pain medicine, especially uh, considering the sort of limited understanding we have of why why pain exists and uh, and how to best treat painful conditions. Um, given that we are dealing with this uh, opioid epidemic, um, I think research into the mechanisms um, by which pain is regulated and uh, the treatments we can offer them, I think this is a large area uh, that really needs a lot of uh, research focus. So I think 
research is a major, major area where uh, I think if someone is interested in pain medicine in a non-clinical uh, sort of way, uh, I think research is a great place to start. What do you know now about pain medicine that you wish you knew before going into your training? I think knowing, not knowing necessarily, I think overall the the very fact that a lot of patients come to a pain medicine specialist after having tried so many things, uh, it can be daunting to understand how low our success rate can really be. But initially, one can say that uh, this is sort of... Uh, uh, disconcerting, but I think what you can understand is that for a lot of patients, uh, even a small amount of relief can really translate to a large change in uh, quality of life. So uh, I didn't necessarily truly appreciate that early on in my uh, training, uh, but now I really appreciate that when I see a patient have a, a small kind of uh, increase in functionality or decrease in pain levels that how how truly uh, impactful that is on a patient's life. So I think that's probably something that I didn't truly appreciate early on, but now really do. What do you like the most about being a pain physician? Uh, what I like about it most is making a difference in patients' lives. Um, like I said, uh, many patients come to us after having tried multiple different medications, maybe even procedures and, uh, you know, I, I really, even though that may be the case when I see a patient, I really try to start from the beginning and uh, try to understand what the patient is really here for. You know, sometimes it's just to be listened to and to kind of be validated in their, in their uh, thinking about their pain. You know, uh, some patients, unfortunately, are dismissed um, in this current setting of uh, the opioid epidemic, many patients are inappropriately labeled uh, medication seekers. And I think it's, a under, it's important to uh, really understand what the patient is, is saying and, and to really lend them an ear and uh, really be open-minded with patients. So I, I really appreciate the opportunity to listen to a patient, take my time with a patient, um, and truly get on the same page with the patient and understand what, what, what I can do for them. So that's my favorite part about the specialty. And what's your least favorite part? I think my least favorite part is getting coverage for certain procedures and, and doing peer-to-peers and working with insurance companies, I think sometimes can be a bit frustrating. Um, I know that there are limitations in what insurance companies can approve, but there are sometimes when I feel like uh, there's a procedure that a patient can benefit from, but uh, the insurance company, for one reason or another, is not approving it. And uh, I do my best to uh, reach out to the insurance company and do a peer-to-peer -to, -peer to try to get uh, procedures approved, but uh, there are times when I'm not able to do so, and that does uh, frustrate me to some degree. So I think in any specialty, there's going to be... Uh, some degree of uh, dissatisfaction with uh, working with insurance companies, but you know it's just a reality of uh, medicine, and uh, 
while it is one of my least favorite parts, uh, I think that it doesn't diminish my enthusiasm for the specialty. And just to define, if you're listening to this and you, you haven't heard that term peer-to-peer, so you're talking about sure. you calling an insurance company, speaking to the equal specialty that you are, whatever specialty um, they're having so an So I have with. to clarify that. So there are times when you will call an insurance company for a peer-to-peer and you will speak to someone from a completely different specialty. So uh, they often have policy guidelines to which they're obligated to adhere to. And uh, for example, uh, I have a colleague who did a peer-to-peer for a spinal cord stimulator and the physician he spoke with from the insurance company was actually a pediatrician. (laughs) Uh, So you may not always speak to a pain physician, although very often you will. Uh, It just depends. On any given day, you may speak to someone from a different specialty. Okay. And you're arguing your case to have it covered, the, the procedure yes. covered. Okay. Absolutely. Do you see any major changes coming to the field of pain medicine, whether it's through new uh, pharmaceuticals, new devices, new procedures? I think that you'll see, and it's already happening, a larger emphasis on uh, procedures to treat pain and a move away from the prescription of opioids Uh I've mentioned several times throughout our uh, conversation here, the opioid epidemic. The reason why this is so important is because many people are dying from opioid abuse or misuse or even an overdoses that may be related to this. And uh, it doesn't really take, it doesn't take a lot to kind of appreciate the enormity of the situation because many times Prescriptions are filled, especially after surgical procedures or even even dental procedures or oral surgery, surgical procedures. And uh, these these pills uh, don't necessarily fall into the right hands. Um, Patients with multiple comorbidities, which may include cardiovascular or respiratory issues on opioids, are at risk for overdose as well. there's a general lack of studies supporting the long-term benefit of opioids in the treatment of chronic pain. And we realize now that there may be more harm from these medications. Now, just to clarify, this is mostly for the treatment of non-cancer pain. For cancer pain, I think opioids have uh, a long-standing track record for being helpful. But even in those patients, you know, we have to think outside the box and Think about adjuvant medications, really use the World Health Organization uh, ladder, which emphasizes using, you know, weaker opioids and adjuvant medications, NSAIDs, before escalating to stronger opioids. So I think we you'll see a decreased emphasis on the prescription of opioids, uh, a renewed emphasis on uh, procedures to treat pain and pain psychology and physical therapy and really approaching the patient from uh, a multidisciplinary kind of way of thinking. So uh, spinal cord stimulation is a, is a field that is really exploding right now. We have high-frequency stimulation now that is being applied to multiple different painful states, such as neuropathic pain from chronic, complex regional pain syndrome, failed back surgery syndrome. Uh, We actually are initiating discussions about treating visceral pain 
with spinal cord stimulation as well. Uh, traditional spinal cord stimulation is based on paresthesias or vibration feelings, which sort of uh, trick the brain into thinking that there is no pain, whereas now we have uh, spinal cord stimulators that use high frequency that don't depend on paresthesias. So it's opening up this technology to many different patients who previously would not be able to tolerate these paresthesias or vibrations. So I think you'll see the application of these types of procedures to a lot of different uh, pain states as well. So uh, I think it's an exciting time to be a pain physician. And uh, I think it's an important time to be a pain physician because pain pain is an issue that uh, affects so many of us, our loved ones. And uh, I think there's a lot that uh, remains to be learned about pain. Uh, and uh, it makes it an exciting time to be a pain physician. If you had to do it all over again, would you still choose pain medicine? Absolutely. I'm extremely happy in this specialty. I'm learning something every day. Uh, while I am an educator, I think that uh, I'm learning more from, from teaching than uh, probably I'm imparting. So uh, it's a humbling specialty. Um, it's humbling to be an educator, but it's a very fulfilling career. As we wrap up here, what are your last words of wisdom for a medical student or maybe even a resident out there that's interested in pain medicine? Always be curious, always be willing to learn. Um, if you like a specialty that combines procedures, medications, and working with multiple different specialties, then pain medicine is probably for you, or it's something to at least consider. All right, so there you go, Dr. Bunty Shaw, academic pain medicine physician. Hopefully, if you are interested in pain medicine, this episode has helped you either further dive into that specialty, or maybe if you were thinking about it, maybe you're not anymore. I hope you join us next week for another great episode here at Specialty Stories.